Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code OLDLINE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please play responsibly. For help, visit MDGamblingHelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is a podcast from Minute Media. You're listening to the Eyes on Isles podcast with Matt O'Leary and Mitch Anderson. Welcome to the Eyes on Isles podcast. I am your host, Mitch Anderson, and I'm here with Matt O'Leary, whose voice still sounds like he's some sort of horror movie villain. It's it's not good, buddy. I don't know if you remember um, last week I was, I was saying, I, I have a slight tickle in my throat. I'm going to try your whiskey trick. Um, well, it's been a little downhill since then, buddy. We've been through the ringer, but I will say um, two days now on a prescription medication. So hoping that turns me around by the weekend, but uh, it's been rough, as you can clearly tell. Yeah, hopefully this is not uh, indicative of my medication. Clearly, I'm not a doctor, so don't take medication advice from me. Uh, but my whiskey trick usually helps me, but it clearly did not help Matt here at all. I'm struggling to find my mouse on my three monitors here. So oh, let me switch this up because I'm looking at you downwards. It just feels weird to look. This is much better. Um, So today we're going to do things a little bit differently in so much as I'm going to do most of the talking for what are clearly obvious reasons here. Give Matt his uh, vocal cords a little bit of rest. Um, but let, there's a lot of things to talk about uh, since last week. Um, the 13-game road trip, uh, Pollock is out, Bailey might be out, the UBS is about to open, and we're going to do down on the farm as well. So let's get to the first thing here and talk about the road trip. The Islanders finished the road trip in Florida, go 5-6-2 and two over it, and there are varying opinions on how this thing went. I, I'd love to hear what you think about it, Matt. Like, where where are you at on this five six and two road trip? Um, not ideal, but it could have been so much more catastrophic. Um, I'm not hitting the panic button. I know a ton of people have hit that button. Um, that's not to say that I'm satisfied, but all things considered, on a 13 game road trip, getting 12 points over that stretch, I'd sign up for it. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it feels like people's the. Uh, panic button or panic finger has been hovering over the button for the last couple of weeks there. Um, and I and I get it, right? Like, they're not winning. They're not 
technically 500, although they're pretty close, right? 12 points from a possible 26 is pretty close to 500 on the road, mind you, right? And so, like, this doesn't look great, but it's not the end of it all, right? Like, there's there's still a lot of games to go. We've got 13 of 82 to uh, done, so there, there's, what, 69 games left? Nice. Um, that's a lot of hockey left. There's a lot of hockey still left to play. Um, five, six, and two doesn't sound good. And considering how it ends as, as well, not just specifically the Florida game, but the last four games where they lose all four of them, and they score, what, a combined two, four goals, I think? No, two goals over those um, four games, isn't it? Or four goals. Yeah, it's four. Uh, I could tell you in a second for sure, but specifically in Florida, it didn't go very... Yeah, it was four over that four. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you don't want to end your road trip on a four-game losing streak. Um, but it, it's... With Tampa and Florida specifically, those are two very difficult places to play as is uh and at the end of a 13 game road trip you know what i'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt a little bit with those two yeah so like and we, we have to remember they've been through this before and by this specifically going five six and two on the road last year their first 13 road games they were five six and two and when you look at how things differ between last year's five six and two and this year's there's not a whole lot of difference right so i, I broke it down for goals for and against shots, for and against power play and penalty kill to give a sense of of where they are and, and some of the most obvious categories. And when you got, so I'm going to do last year first, this year second. Last year, goals for 2.08. This is per game. Goals against 2.46. So they're not scoring a whole lot, not really allowing a whole lot, but still. 29.4 shots for, 26.2 shots against. Power play, 15%. Gross, but remember that's last year. Penalty kill, 79.5. This year, 2.23 goals for, 2.92 goals against, youch. 30.2 shots for, 33.2 shots against, 12.5% on the pen, on the power play, yee, and 83.3% on the PK. There's not a wild difference here, right? Like, they're not no. totally a different team on the road than they were last year, it seems. No, which... I think is a little bit expected and when all of these are right in a row back to back to back I feel like it just amplifies those issues a little bit more so if that makes sense absolutely and we we have to consider how early in the season we are like they are 13 games in the, the season started a little bit later than it usually does right I think game one was October 14th I think it was two mm -hmm. weeks into the season or into the month when it's usually like October 5th up to October 6th so you're adding a whole extra week off there and then consider all the breaks between games how many like three to four day breaks have we already seen the Islanders have to deal with and, and I know that's supposed to help them you know you're able to get back home maybe recharge a bit but that still means you're packing unpacking constantly constantly and so that's not really they're not able to settle and so 13 games into the season they haven't yet settled and it's to me it seems clear in the results yeah without a doubt um and I mean there were some pretty decent performances in there um and I do think people like Zdeno Chara's turned a corner a little bit. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that he's been phenomenal the last stretch here, but it's gotten significantly better. So there's you could find a silver lining there. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like it wasn't a perfect road trip. 
and there's obviously work to be done. But now, what, uh, four of your next six are at home? Yeah. So, like, and and there are a lot of back-to-backs there. They're they're close together. So you're going on a more, I'm not going to say consistent run, because that's not really the word, but... You're, you're able to stabilize a little bit more because you're constantly in action, right? You don't have the time to sit, decompress type of thing, which may sound like something players might want to do, like all of us do at the end of a workday, but you want to get into a rhythm and they haven't been able to do that, even if that's been on the road, right? When you go on a road trip, you usually bang out a couple of games in a row here. You might have a two-day break, maybe three-day break at the end of it to kind of say like, okay, you've gone on six, seven road games, Let's chill a bit. And even then, six or seven is a lot. Um, this has not been the case. It's been 13 games and it's been three-day break here, four-day break there. So they haven't been able to establish a rhythm here. And that's really not been to their benefit. No, absolutely not. And I mean, we, we saw it numerous times. And, and still, especially in the last four games, they allowed 19 goals in four games. That's brutal. I, I think just defensively, especially, like it's bad that they're not scoring but defensively, it was just so bad at a lot of points throughout uh, this little run here that I think they just need to, when they get back now, you know, today, in the next few days here before playing Calgary on Saturday, they have to work on getting their infrastructure right. I think that's the biggest thing. It really is. Get back to those fundamentals uh, and, and do the things that you do well, and that should help. We also have to remember when we look at the standings that they've got games in hand on just about everyone. The only other team they don't have a game in hand on is Columbus. Um, so they, they've got ground to make up on everyone in the division. Some teams like Washington and the Rangers, they've got three games in hand on. Three. Um, that That's pretty good. Uh, or, or Sorry, not pretty good, but that's in their favor, right? And a lot of these games are going to be at home. Where the Islanders, I'm just trying to bring it up last year here. So just, you know, wait for a second while I load that up. We're 21, 4, and 3 at home. 21, 4, and 3. That's insane. They were so good at home. Um, Now, obviously, this isn't the same home that they're going to now, but it is their home. And they're going to look to establish a new Fort Never Lose. Um, so that that is going to help them. Yeah, without a doubt. And as you said, it is different in, in, in that it's a new building. But, I mean, are you going to tell me the atmosphere on Saturday is not going to be insane? I, I really hope your voice is ready to be lost again after Saturday. <laughs> yeah, my, my goal is to get this thing back and then lose it again on Saturday. That's it. Yeah. On, on purpose this time, and yes. I know, know why you're losing it. Yes, oh my god. Um, but before we start talking about UBS, because we're, we're going to get to that in a second here, I think we should now transition into, because you, you mentioned something, getting back to the fundamentals. Well, what might not help them do that is the loss of at least one key player, maybe two. And the players I'm referencing here are, and you probably already know it, Ryan Pollock is out four to six weeks, ayoy. And Josh Bailey is out for COVID-related uh, illness for how whoever knows how long. Yeah, so I'm going to start with Pollock because with, with all due respect to Bailey, that is the much bigger blow, uh, especially when you consider how poorly the defense has been playing. But um, I'm not going to lie, that, that scares me a little bit because that's one of the two guys on that unit where you cannot afford to lose. 
Right, and they haven't even been playing together, right? The, the, the defense has been not so poor that they had to split them up, but to strengthen the decor, they had to split them up. Uh, and I guess that does kind of say, like, the decor was so bad they needed to split them up, but they, they did, and now one of them's gone. So that leaves them on the right side with Scott Mayfield and Noah Dobson, who has been inconsistent. Scott Mayfield is what he is. Uh, I think we're all used to that. And so now you lose a guy who's playing 22 to 23 minutes was your number one guy because he was playing both uh, more of a defensive game, but also an offensive game as well, playing on the penalty kill, on the power play, five on five, and you lose him four to six weeks as your schedule and you as you start establishing that rhythm, right? They're at home. They've got a bunch of games and he's gonzo. Um, that is not... Yeah, you're right. That's a worrying sign. And we saw what happened... Two years ago, right, when they lost Adam Pellick for a while, they lost him and things just sunk, right? They never, they couldn't, they just could not get back up again. So in in that area, do you think they run out the same decor that we saw against Florida or do you think we're seeing a change here? Well, so I'm glad you say that. The Bridgeport Islanders played today and Robin Sallow was not in the roster. So... That doesn't necessarily say that he's being called up, but we know he's not injured, or it doesn't seem like he's injured. Um, it, but it could be, right? Like, we have to remember, it could be an injury. It could be Brent Thompson being like, lols, I'm going to troll everyone, although I doubt it. I, I really, really doubt that. It's He's played Robin Salo every game this year. There's no reason to take him out. Um, and it, it could be COVID again. Not, not again, but it could be COVID Probably not. This is probably, it, it is most likely him coming up, but we don't know that yet. Uh, we'll probably find out tomorrow when they practice. But to answer your question, do they roll the same decor out? I'm not entirely sure because if a Robin Salo comes up, you can't say like, cool, we'll run a, t- a, a team with Dobson, Aho, and Salo in it. No, the, the two of those guys are playing uh, and one of them is sitting. And then the rest of those guys, obviously, Pellick, Chara, and and uh, Green are going to play as well. Right. So <clears throat> my thing is, I guess Salo comes in for Aho at that point. Like, I'm trying to think who they would take out to get him in. That's the only logical thing that would make sense, right? That's the only one. It, it really is. And that's unfortunate for Salo, or sorry, Aho, because he played well in the two games that he played. Uh, he played against Tampa and he played against um, Florida. He averaged not average, but he hit over 20 minutes in both of them. I think he hit 23-something against Tampa. Uh, He played really well. He had some mistakes in there, but we have to remember, he's played a total three professional hockey games at any level, that's NHL and AHL, in a year and nine months. He went a year and nine months playing just three competitive hockey games. Yeah, he's going to be a little rusty, but still they played him 23 minutes against Tampa and then 20 minutes against the uh, the Florida Panthers. Although Scott Mayfield being hurt did or uh, ejected didn't help, but still. Right. No, exactly. So uh, in that, I mean, I, I hope we see a situation where he comes in and is an impact player right away, like what we got with Devontae's. But um, I don't know if it's necessarily fair on him to have that as the floor expectation. Yeah, you're right. Like he's, we're not setting him up to fail necessarily, but we're, we're giving him a pair of shoes that are already pretty big, right? Like yeah. here's some size, some shack, some sack. My God, I can't even say it. some shack sized shoes. That was really hard for me to say. And he's like, guys, my feet, you know, they're not that big. What am I supposed to do? Like, just go, go ahead, 
do it, <laughs> go. Um, we're not setting him up to fail necessarily, but the expectations are high on this kid that if he doesn't perform there, I'm worried that people are going to turn on him immediately. Um, but we, we, they, they have to see this through, they being the Islanders, because the, the trade market isn't something they can turn to right now. Because no. everyone's just going, like, cool. All right, we want your first. We want this guy. We want that guy for anyone. You want Samuel Girard? Great. Give us anything and everything. And the Islanders aren't in a position to do that. They, they don't have to or they shouldn't have to. So they have to go through the due diligence of seeing what Robin Salo brings to the table. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I mean, I really do think he's going to get that opportunity now um, at this point. And like I said, I hope he, I hope he flourishes with it. He's a really talented kid. Yeah, he can move the puck well. He plays on the power play. He's got um, three power play points for the Bridgeport Islanders this year. He's put up eight total points. Um, he, he can skate well. He can move the puck well. Uh, we saw him at training camp play well. So, like, things are looking like he could be the player the Islanders need. Uh, but we'll see. Can he be Devontae's 2.0? And what I mean by that is come in during an injury and just stake a claim. Just plant a flag and be like, I am not leaving. Thou shall not pass me down to the AHL is what he will say. I hope so. I really hope that's the case. But to get to Josh Bailey for a second, um, complicated discussion because I am not someone who is an anti-Bailey person. Um, But at the same time, I think it's fair to say the Islanders needed a little bit more from him. Uh, And him going down right now, obviously with COVID, wishing him the best in his you know recovery there um it doesn't help anything when you're trying to get your offense in gear with the core that you were expecting all year you're right and he's very much the core he's he's in their top six top nine consistently playing a lot on the power play sometimes on the penalty kill definitely at five on five he's an important piece to them um but he hasn't necessarily done very well this year. He's got that one game against Vegas where he was lights out. He was pretty good against the, the Winnipeg Jets. But other than that, he's been pretty anonymous and, and on negative side. And what I'm referencing here is game score. There, those are the only two games that I've already mentioned. And then he was barely a positive against Columbus and Minnesota. Outside of that, he was a negative. Every day, every day uh, against the floor of the Florida Panthers, the first time out negative 2.56. He was wow. atrocious in game two. Um, so like he hasn't necessarily been great. And and I'm a believer. It, it's in my Twitter profile. Right. Uh, I, I really like this player, but he hasn't done enough. So having him out uh, now it, it isn't necessarily good in terms of establishing that um, that chemistry, not chemistry, but that, uh, oh my God, what is the word I'm looking for here? Oh, the word is escaping me. Ne- neither, regardless, let's move from Bailey a little bit and say, because Bailey is out, there is now an opportunity open for a guy like Kiefer Bellows, who did pretty well against the Florida Panthers, I thought. His defensive game allowed him to have the best game score on the entire team. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. And, you know, something I will give him credit for, I think he's been much more physical in the mo- in the games that I've seen him recently. Yeah, and he needed to do that, specifically the defensive side of things, right? He needed to assert himself more because he's not necessarily a small player, mm-hmm. right? Like, he's a decent-sized guy. Uh, I'm trying to bring up his card here for game score, and I just can't find it because I, I guess I'm skimming it. I'm not actually reading, but uh, it doesn't necessarily matter. 
uh, he hasn't played a whole lot, but when he has played, he's done, he's been 50-50, right? Like he's got the one game where he was, uh, all right, yeah, I didn't really see you. And then now this game against the Florida Panthers are going, all right, damn, Kiefer Bellows, see what you're doing there. Picked up a point on the Palmieri goal, so that's yeah. nice. And like you said, he was being physical. Uh, his defensive game was good. Those are the things you want to see from Kiefer Bellows, right? He's playing good away from the puck and he's playing good on the puck. And you're saying, God damn, all right. Roll with the Kiefer, right? Like, this might be the right time, unfortunately for Josh Bailey, to be out. Because Kiefer Bellows now can um, worry about, not have to worry about, like, I'm not going to be in the lineup tomorrow. And, and just kind of worry about, like, these are the things that I have to do. These are the fundamentals I have to perform. And, and if I do that, my get, my spot in this lineup will be cemented. Um, now, of course, I don't think he's going to play Josh Bailey off the team. But if he does well... It allows the Islanders to explore other options. Right, like potentially flipping him in a trade. Yeah, it really does, right? Like, I don't necessarily want to see him go, but if you can have him perform well and have his stock rise from virtually nothing on the trade market to, okay, the St. Louis Blues are going, all right, right, we'll we'll bite on that for Vladimir Tarasenko. It's going to take a lot more than just him, but like we're willing to bite on him. Deal. That is an upgrade for for the Islanders um, that they need to make. Yeah, without a doubt. So it just, like you said, I like the word flexibility. It does give the Islanders some more flexibility if he could play. Yeah, exactly. So uh, it sucks that Josh Bailey's out. Specifically, it sucks that he's got COVID, right? Like confirmed COVID. That really sucks. Hopefully he's fine. He stayed back in Florida. Um, So like hopefully he's resting well underneath the sun uh, and the warm weather. But like, Get back soon, Josh Bailey, uh, just just because on a human level type of thing. Of course. But to move from Pollock and Bailey to the UBS. So in three days now, in three days, the UBS arena will officially open for Islanders fans. How stoked are you from a level of 10 to 11? A million. Like, <laughs> all, all the way up. That's why, that's why I am drowning myself in this prescription medicine that I got from my doctor. Like I need to get my voice right so I could be back in the building and feeling good. But um, it, long overdue for, you know, the team, the fan base and everything. And you kind of talked about what well, we just did. I kind of feel for Bailey and Pollock who aren't going to be able to experience that. Like they deserved it. They're two of the longer tenured Islanders at this point. Yeah, they deserve to be there out on the ice. Like, I'm sure they'll be, well, Bailey might not be in the building because of COVID, but Ryan Pollock probably will be somewhere. Um, they'll, they'll be experiencing it from a relative distance, that is, but they're not going to be the ones on the ice. And that's obviously a whole different level. Um, but you're right, for the fans, this is a long time coming. We all, we all love the Nassau Coliseum. Every single one of us love it. Um, but it was time for a new place. And so now that they have it, and now that we can go in the doors within three days, holy cow, I cannot, I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm sure I'm not the only one. Obviously, everyone's the same, same way. A, a lot, maybe not a lot, but a number of people have already seen what it looks like on the inside. And with some of the pictures that we've seen, oh my God, this place is absolutely gorgeous. Yeah, without a doubt. Like, I can't wait to just be in there and experience it for myself, but this week kind of as like the promo week continues and more and more pictures come out. It's just everything I think we were hoping for and more. The first thing I can't wait to walk into that grand hall and just like 
experience the grandness of it all, right? Like, just the huge space it is. Looking up at, like, what they have is essentially stars up on the ceiling there. Um, I, I can't wait. And then, to me, the, the, the one big moment is when you walk in and you can see the arena and the ice. Oh, that's... I'm already getting flutters here. Right, because you're going to go up the escalator or up the stairs and see it from the concourse, which is really, really cool. You didn't have that at the Coliseum. No, I, I really, I really, really can't wait. And you're right, like, the concourse is going to be massive. We're all going to be able to walk through with it, holding hands, if we will. Yeah. Um, bathrooms galore. Everyone's got their own bathroom, uh, which is going to be incredible. Uh, don't have to wait. <laughs> don't have to hold it in. Yeah. I remember the first time I went, leaving five minutes left in the first, saying... I got plenty of time. Not getting back to five minutes left in the second. Oh my god! Yeah, that'll that'll do it. If you try to do a bathroom and food run at the same time, you're screwed. Yeah, it was not not a not a good time. Not very smart on my behalf there, but it, it's going to be good. I, I can't wait to be there with with everyone. Um, but like this, like you said, I think the one big thing is this is long overdue, and the you can see the attention to detail that the ownership and, and and the people who built the place or designed it had for for a bunch of things like we mentioned in the last show uh, we're gonna have um oh my god why can't i offside we're gonna have blue line essentially there as well but it goes beyond that right like the colors the color scheme inside you've got pictures of the islanders up on the wall that wasn't a thing at the barclay center it just didn't happen no it's ours which is Different. I mean, the Coliseum was ours too, but this is just, this is different. It's a new building. It's a great situation, and it's ours. Like it's just the extra element, right? Like th- this new arena is going to allow the Islanders to jump into the modern era, not just physically because they have a new arena, but they can accommodate a whole lot more. And while the Islanders fan base isn't large in numbers, it's large in character. That's for damn sure. Um, it's not large in numbers. But they're on an island that has 8 million people on it. 8 million. And and while a lot of those people have already formed their allegiances because other teams have been around, but if this team keeps on winning, there are new generations of fans popping up every day. Every day. If they keep winning, winning breeds breeds that kind of growth in terms of the, the fan base. And they will be able to fully well accommodate 20,000 people at the arena Um and more, right? Like we already see the wait list for season tickets is yeah. longer than, than myself. Um, like it, it is, the fan base is growing and this arena is just kind of a beacon to show like we are not just some small little fan base anymore. We mean yeah. business. Well, I mean, look at it with the run last year in particular. It just, That to me felt like the biggest one. And sure, with every playoff run, you're going to get, you know, people jumping on the bandwagon, which is, I mean, you know, I'm all for that. That's that's fun. That's part mm-hmm. of it. But it just shows, you know, how big this thing could really get. And it's cool too to see like the other local teams, like when they would have guys from like the Jets go or like I don't know any other teams. Just like it could be like a a hub almost for Long Island and New York culture in a way. Absolutely, and it needs to be. And I think they're they're trying to do that because again, eight million people. That's a whole lot. Right, like you tap into that, there's a big fan base there, uh, and like again, the Islanders have a big character fan base. They don't have a big number fan base, 
But that changes. That'll change. Those characters will start to influence more and more people. They'll be like, all right, I'm starting to pay attention to this team. All right. And then the winning? Look out. The Islanders are growing from a small to medium to maybe half, like, kind of large fan base eventually. Right. And that's the thing, too. Like, the on-ice product matters. Like, yes, because it's a new building, people are going to want to go. But it's going to help if the team is actually really good, too. Absolutely. So let's transition from UBS to our last like large-ish topic here and, and go to down on the farm. Mm. And I don't have a ton of updates necessarily, just mainly because there's kind of, there has been kind of a break here uh, in, in some of the, the action. But I know that uh, Russell Ishikov is feeling, not feeling better, but has tested better. So okay. he should be back on the ice within a week, a week or so. So that is great news. Um, he's been off for a while with some foot injuries or with a foot injury that just got re-aggravated type of thing. So that's good. Aturatu keeps doing things at the international level, put up four points. So for Team Finland, looked fantastic doing so. Uh, and they were playing a four-team tournament against Sweden, Russia, and the Czech Republic. Uh, Thomas Mahu also played uh, for the Czech Republic, but he was he was, he was fine. He's an extra player. for Not extra, sorry. A third pair player for them same thing for Matias Ray and Emmy with the Finnish squad uh, but what I wanted to do here is really kind of focus on the top prospects in the in the pipeline just because I don't have a ton of updates and so let's just talk about the top five guys in the Islanders prospect pool sure and, and the way that I rank that I have it on my YouTube channel but just just in case you haven't seen it you listener at home the way I rank it is NHLE so that's NHL expected. And what that does is it takes whatever production rate that player has at that at their league. So let's say for Robin Salo, it's at the AHL. For Aturatu, it's the Liga. For William Tsufour, it's at the QMJHL level. It takes their production rate, applies a translation factor that is a, essentially equates to the strength of that league. And then what it tries to, what it does actually is equates their production rate at an NHL level. To show this player is playing at X NHL points where they are. And so our top five guys based off of NHLE are in order. Robin Salo at 29. So he's playing at a basically 30 point pace for defenseman. Okay. Otto Koivula, 27. Arnaud Zurando, those are both AHLers as well, at 25. Aturatu at 22.6, 23. And then Anatoly Golishev at 20 points. That is okay. the top five prospects in the in the Islanders prospect pool. Five of those are at the AHL level. One, as you all know, Aturatu is at the legal level, and that's good news. Right. So, okay, yeah, that that's that's a great sign if you look at it that way too. And all things considered, since Atu was essentially the Islanders' first pick in this last draft, to have him be that much of an impact already is a really good sign. Yeah, he's, he's playing two points per game with his new team. He's only played two games, so sample size is still low. Um, but he's got four points in those two games for Yukurit. Uh Is absolutely, I wouldn't say dominant, but he's one of their go-to guys. He's their second-line center, but uh, as this progresses, he might, he might essentially be their first-line guy. Uh, Ole Jokinen really trusts him, really likes him. He plays power play, penalty kill. He is all over the place for Yukurit. Um, and, and it's really nice to see because for a while there, he was not in my top five at all. Uh, and ever since he made that move to Yukurit, he has jumped and jumped quickly. We have to remember he's, yes, not at the AHL level, but he's still playing pros and he's playing against men at 19 years old. 
Right, which is a good sign. We wanted him to get that level of competition. Mm-hmm. And consistency, right? When he was with Karpat, he wasn't playing every night. And even when he was playing, it was like nine, ten minutes. Now he's playing every night for Yukurit, second line center, playing 17 to 18 minutes a night. Woo. That's great. Woo. That's a that's a big improvement. And, you know, he probably, he, I mean, you could tell me better than, than I know, but he more than likely projects as like a second line center type, right? That's exactly what he projects at. Middle six center. So, uh, yeah, the second, third line center could be more. But as it stands now, it's like, yeah, probably second line center. Uh, but he's already ready for the North American game. The questions are not there. Can he play in North America? Yes. How good he will be is the question, which is wild, right? Mm-hmm. It's not can he play NHL hockey? Yes, he can. It's how good is he going to be at the NHL level is the question here. And uh, that's already good to see from someone who you took in the middle of the second round. Right, exactly. So, okay, that's a great sign. Love that. Um, And so outside of the top five, I really want to get to Simon Holmstrom because he's just outside of the top five. And today he put up two points for the Bridgeport Islanders. So I imagine he's going to jump up above Anatoly Golishev. He's right there at 15.9 NHLE is what he's doing. So he's a 16-point NHLer. Not a lot. It's not really high. Uh, and we'll get to the numbers there in a second and, and their, their their height, let's say. Um, but he's played playing much better for the Bridgeport Islanders and is definitely one of their top six guys and, and is every night doing something for them, even if it's not specifically showing up on the score sheet where he wasn't necessarily doing that last year or the year before. Right. Okay. So I could take that at least as a minimum at a step in the right direction. Exactly. Now, with the numbers and the reason I'm saying they're not very high is because they're not, right? Like our best prospect is Robin Salo at 30 points, which is great, right? Like you'll take a 30-point defenseman. But outside of that, we don't have a 30, 40, 50-point NHLer in there. Um, And it really reflects the quality of the Islanders' prospect pool. Uh, It it is not one of the best ones in the NHL, and I think we all knew that already. Um, But when you look at those NHLEs, you're not seeing someone popping off the sheet going like, oh my God, this guy is ready to destroy. That That's not the case. We have a lot of a lot of strong players, um, but a lot of role players as well. So take take whatever the top five with a little bit of a grain of salt outside of Robin Salo, I would say. Because a 30-point defenseman, at the, the because he's played at the AHL level, you'll take that because there's, there's a potential for more there, specifically when he's around better players. Right, exactly. I... You took the words out of my mouth. Is that when the competition improves, I feel like he will also. Exactly. So that's it for Down on the Farm. Are you ready for the quiz, Matt? Let's do it. As we do every week, there's a mystery New York Islander for you at home and you, Matt, to guess. You have five clues to guess who he is. They get progressively easier as we go, even though I've made them a little bit harder this time because you keep getting them the first or second try. Are you ready? Let's do it. One, I am a second round pick. Could Atu be just Rops. about anyone. We were just talking about him. <laughs> Incorrect, but good try. Uh, you know my recency bias when it comes to these. Two, I scored 16 points in 54 games during my draft year. Scott Mayfield? Incorrect, good guess. Three, I played forward before moving to defense. 
Uh, see, I was going to say Thomas Hickey, but that wouldn't make sense because he was a fourth overall pick. Right, exactly. Okay, don't know. Four. Um, I played with Josh Hosang. Not in North America. Is it Robin Salah? We've already talked to... It is Robin Salah. Yeah, okay. There we go. Robin Salah. Boom. Good job by you. Five was everyone hopes I'll beat Devontae's 2.0. There we go. I, I thought it was Salah. Okay. You're right. That's good. I, I, I'm trying to make them a little bit harder, and mm, I got you at four, so that I feel better about that. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Beauty. Do we want to move on to our social segment? What do you got first there? <clears throat> All right, first one comes from Neil Best. He says, I am back at UBS Arena where I observe this amusing sign in the parking lot. And it's a picture of a sign that says, no honking, no tailgating, per New York State regulations. <laughs> um, so a lot of people are worried about that, right? Like, we're not going to be able to tailgate. We're not going to be able to honk our horn. That's something that we all do. But wasn't that a rule at the Coliseum as well? You couldn't do that either? Correct. So do we actually think they're going to A, enforce that and B, really? Like, are they going to live up to that? I I don't think it's going to be enforced. To me, This is just speculation on my part, but I think it's more of a liability thing on from their end to say that the right. signs are there, so the rule's in place, but you know what I mean? Right, like we have these things, we're told them not to, but we can't like go and arrest 20,000 people necessarily or tell them to leave because we kind of want their money. Um, so we're just going to kind of deal with it, um, which which makes a lot of sense, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, the, the I don't think the parking lot is as big as the Coliseum was, um, but it's still decently sized, right? So it's going to take some getting used to, I think. Yeah, we're not going to have this tailgating thing figured out at game, in game one. And there's a couple different lots now. It's not like in the Coliseum where it's like plopped down right in the middle. It's like there's a couple different areas you can go to, I think. Yeah, there's one across Hempstead Turn. Is it Hempstead Turnpike? It is, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yep. There's one across from that, and then there's one essentially behind the arena on the other side. Is it not? Yes, exactly. So, like, they're not all directly on top of it, but I don't think anyone is going to care because, well, not all arenas are, are built or arenas or stadiums even, right? Because tailgating is also a football thing. Um, they're not all built like the Nassau Coliseum. Uh, so, like, you know, we're all going to have to improvise a little bit. But I imagine after a week or so or a couple of games, we're going to have this figured out pretty easily. I would imagine so. It also wouldn't really be upon them to be like, sorry, guys, did you not see the sign? We don't do the tailgating thing here. And everyone's like, but you you, you have like almost 50 years of us doing that. And you're just going to be like, no, we can't do that anymore. Come on. Come on. Doesn't check out. No. Uh, mine here comes from Andy Francis. I hope I pronounced that right. It's just the double S really throws me off. And after the game in Tampa, he uh, puts out a tweet says, you know, the Isles power play is bad. If I had to make a November video and it's him uh, ranting, isn't the right word, but it is kind of a rant. Uh, it make when I say rant, it makes it sound like I, I think negatively of the video, which I do not. And he talks about the power play and Matthew Barzell being on one side and someone else being on the other side. Uh, and just not on their right side, on their good side. And he's dead right. Like, they're setting these guys up to fail. Yeah, it was Barzal and Bailey. I watched the video. It's a good video. Um, 
<clears throat> and Barzal's on the right and Bailey's on the left, which on the power play doesn't make much sense because there's no threat of a shot. There's very little threat of a shot. And like the Islanders have made that work in the past uh, where they've had Eberle on the right. But when I went through a very uh, specific and prolific period of, of Islanders power play success, it was last year where in 21 games they scored 15 power play goals. Uh, it was not Eberle doing most of the work. It was a guy called Oliver Wallstrom up on the left side. And then on the right side, you had Josh Bailey. So just like what Andy is saying here, uh, and I'm sure Andy's not the first one to say it, but he's I'm certainly the loudest one, I, I would say. Um, and, and he's got the tweet to back it up. He's right. Like, you, you, you can't have Bailey up on the left and then Matthew Barzell on the right. They're already there. There's no room for them because there's no room for them to open up on a shot for a one timer. They're already at a disadvantage here. Um, and they also like you've got Bailey out there. He's just not a shot threat. No. Um, so going forward for the Islanders on the power play, we talked about Josh Bailey not being around. Um, this might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because they're going to have to try someone else out there. Exactly. So like you said, maybe blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, my next one is from Rant or Reason on Twitter. <clears throat> and it's a screen grab of season opening road trips of nine plus games in NHL history. Okay. This is from the NHL Network. And there are, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six examples of teams that started with nine games or more on the road to start their season. Mm-hmm. And the Islanders finished with the best record <laughs> of those teams at five, six, and two. You had the 2020 and 2021 San Jose Sharks go 5-6-1. and one. The 2013-14 Rangers, who I believe went to a Stanley Cup final that year, went 3-6 and six to open their season. 07-08 Devils, 3-5-1. 99-2000 Hurricanes, 4-2-0-3. Oh, and 1980-81 and Nordiques went 1-6-0-2. Oh, yeah, like... They're they're not dead. It it doesn't look great, obviously, but they're not dead. Like like a lot of people have said, let me see them play at home uh, for a few games, and and if they're they're playing like this at home, and the record is like this after a couple of home games, all right, fine. Um, but but until then, let's chill a little bit here, right? Like, and I know I saw I'm you might have even tweeted at, at someone who brought this up, but. I've seen a lot of the um, you have to be in a playoffs by Thanksgiving Mm. thing, like how that's a thing. Um, What does the data say about teams who don't play their first home game until the week of American Thanksgiving? I, yeah, right. Like, and we also have to remember the the season, like we said before, a season started later than it usually does. Right. We're like, it's not at the same point anymore. Uh, It's just, I, I'm not. I'm really not worried here. Um, I, there's a little bit of concern because it doesn't feel great, but I, I'm not going like, oh boy, time to blow it up. Can't wait to. Who's the the, the consensus number one overall? I, that's right I there. Know. Tells you like, yeah, exactly. I don't know because I'm not paying attention to that because I don't think the Islanders are ever going to be in that position. No, me either. Uh, my final one here comes from at NHL Rumors Daily. I think we all know who NRD is. Well, we don't know who the individual is, but we know the account anyways. Um, the Isles absolutely make sense as a Sam Girard landing spot. The Boychuk trade, Letty removal, was huge to the cap figure come deadline day. And uh, if Samuel Girard is in play, and, and I believe he is, I've heard that name bounced around before, uh, not just through NRD, but uh, a number of people, 
the Islanders have to bite on that. Even though he's not a right shot defenseman, he's a lefty. Um, but he's not old. He's only 23, has nine points in 10 games this year, is a 30-point player at least, had 32 last year, of course, playing with Colorado. And I believe the cap is pretty manageable. I'm just trying to bring it up here if I can. My internet is a little bit Five slow. change, I think, right? That's what I feel, but I want to confirm it before I speak it. Samuel Giraud, five exactly until it looks like the sun explodes. Five five exactly up until 26-27. No signing bonuses, straight $5 million every year. But he's a good defenseman. He's a good offensive puck-carrying defenseman. He played 23 minutes a night last year. He's on a, a he's really a, damn good team. Yeah, he's a good player. Um now, if Robin Salo can mimic that, then you don't need to, and you're paying Robin Salo a whole heck of a lot less than this guy. Uh, and even if you have to resign him, it's not going to be at five million. But it's an interesting, the interesting thing, right? Like five million dollars, yeah, the Islanders can afford that this year and next and throughout it, no problems, no questions asked. They can go shopping for more even this year with that. Yeah, without a doubt, that that's one that makes sense and he's on the young side too it's not like you're trading for a 30 year old who you're renting for two years or anything like that like no this could be a part of your youth into the core you know what i mean absolutely right like you're bringing in a 23 year old who i'm just trying to find out when his birthday is here may 12th he's not turning 24 until the end of the season <laughs> right so so you'll be getting him at his peak and through his peak. Exactly. So it's not going to be cheap, obviously, but something to keep an eye on there for sure. Yeah, I would I would do just about whatever it takes to get him in here. Yeah, I, I would seriously consider it. Um, so do you have anything else for the social? That was it. All right, let's get some plugs in here. Let's see how many I remember uh, from hearing you do it 220 times beforehand. Um, make sure to follow us on our social media platforms. That's Eyes on Isles FS on Twitter. Make sure to follow us on Facebook as well. Go to the website, eyesonisles.com. Uh, read everything we do multiple times a day because thank you for that. Um, also, get us on Patreon. If you're looking for post-game content, we do a post-game podcast after every single New York Islanders game. Five bucks a month gets you those podcasts. Also, a Discord channel. Um, we're going to be doing a mailbag as well. We do one every week, but this week's a little bit different. With Matt's voice, we're giving him a little bit of a break. And so I'm going to do the mailbag with the patrons live. Uh, so get in on that as well. Uh, a whole community of 150 patrons there. A lot of people to join in. Um, and I feel like I'm missing something else, Matt. Am I missing something? Fan sided app. Get us on the fan-sided app as well if you want to get us on your mobile phone. Uh, we don't have an Eyes on Isles app specifically, but get through this through the fan-sided app and you'll get our updates on your telephone. Beautiful. You did it. So that'll do it here for us in episode 222. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Make sure to hit the subscribe and like button. It helps us reach a number of more people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And we'll see you next week. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. 
With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. When everyone's on the same page, getting things done at work is easy. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Grammarly is your secure AI writing partner that allows your team to make their point and move faster. You can even save time by going from spending hours editing drafts to just seconds. Join the 96% of Grammarly users that say it helps them craft more impactful writing. Sign up and download Grammarly for free at Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.